Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Steeler Nation Live Studios. Overlooking the beautiful city of downtown Rochester, New York. Bringing you Steeler News. Check us out on the web and talk shoe radio at www.steelernationlive.net. And you, for the 2015-2016 season, kick it in with Jeff Reed, former Super Bowl champion of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here are your hosts of Steeler Nation Live, Big Tiz and Big O. Welcome to Steeler Nation Live. Sanders Tisdale. And I'm James Owen. Thanksgiving Day passed, and you know what? There are a lot of games that are on slate that Thanksgiving Day. Especially, it was epic to just sit there with your family and friends and watch games that you knew that you wanted to see go down to the wire. But one that didn't, we're happy to see. But, you know, before we get into that, James, how was your holiday? Well, it was it was delicious. Thanks for asking, Sanders. Had a, had a nice spread of food, family, good time. The kids, you know, over there and with the Kessler family, the in-laws, Beautiful people, thank you for having us over uh, at your house for some Thanksgiving time, feast, and football. And I know what you're alluding to, Sanders, but before we allude to that, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was great. Great time to sit out there with the family and friends, you know, talk, you know what, partake of a little sweet water. I call it sweet water. You know, sweet that, water. that type of stuff is real sweet and makes you kind of sleep well, you know, if you know what I mean. But the fact was, it was great to just be out there. And then, you know what? What you, and on top of that, eating well, you get to oh, watch the games. Delicious and you know what? food, football, come on. Oh, yeah. And one thing that was great to watch was the Dallas Cowboy game with the Dallas going down huge in this game to the Carolina Panthers, 33-14. to 14. What, What's your take on that, James? Well, Sanders, you know how I admit to be wrong because I'm pretty much right all the time. But I called it. I called it wrong. I was wrong in this. I predicted, if you if you listen to the last week's show, I predicted the Panthers will fall to the Dallas Cowboys. There's a couple of reasons why. Number one, all great teams are due for a bad game. And they were getting on that on that roll as they weren't playing as high caliber as they usually do. So you're looking for a little downfall with the Panthers. Then you got the hype of the Dallas Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving in AT&T, whatever. Whatever you want to call it, right? So you you got this atmosphere, you got the setup. Even though the Cowboys are playing like like garbage so far this year, and, and their record depicts that. But I thought that the Cowboys would wake up, remember how to play football, and get things done. But they didn't. Yeah, they didn't do a lot of things correctly in that game. They had no answer for anything the Carolina Panthers gave to them, 33-14. to 14. And on top of that, you lose Tony Romo, who was actually back for maybe a game and a half. And just for him to go out, and you've seen the, the air go out of the sails for the Dallas Cowboys. But you know what? Even though the Dallas Cowboys lost, which was even fitting for that holiday, but the fact was there were a full slate of games on that day. Not a full slate, but you know what? A full day of games, and you have the uh, speaking of birds, you have the Philadelphia Eagles getting toasted 
by the, yeah, by the Detroit Lions, 45-14. to 14, And the Eagles look like they're a team that's going backwards. Yeah, it wasn't a turkey, actual turkey, but it was a bird bird fest. And the Lions devoured them at, at Thanksgiving. What what more apropos day to do it than that? Chip Kelly still looks like a mess. I don't think Sanders, he will be coaching the Eagles next year because he took that organization that was somewhat moving in a, a steady direction and he just ripped them apart. They're exploding, uh, imploding within, and they're just playing horrible football. Even when uh, DeMarco Murray, he, he is he's a great running back, but when you put him in the backfield with no offensive line, nobody throwing the ball or hand it off to him, then you're just going to be a total, total mess. I don't think he'll be coaching the Eagles next year. Well, I think the the problem with the Eagles and using DeMarco Murray, they're not using him correctly. Mark, DeMarco Murray is like more or less a straight-ahead, downhill type runner, and they're going out wide with this guy, and it's kind of destroying his whole, you know, what he the game that he was made upon when he got fame in Dallas. So that's kind of killing him there. But the fact is, the Eagles are not doing a lot of things right. They traded away a lot of players that they probably should have held on to, you know, and burnt some bridges along the way, and a lot of the players all over all over the NFL right now. But if it if you go from this game with the Eagles getting sandblasted there, you go to right to the next game, which is the late game, the Packers and Bears, with the Bears actually coming up with a win, you know, kind of an upset win. They're seventeen to thirteen over the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, just almost like playing in Dallas, Lambeau Field, home of the Green Bay Packers. You have history. You have nostalgia. You have guys like Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi. You got guys that you have Brett Favre. Retire his number officially that night. You would think in bad weather in Lambeau Field that the Packers would have the better opportunity of winning this game. Sanders, I predicted this game. You could roll the tape. Packers 17, Bears 13. Yeah, it was. It was. The fact was the Bears were, they seemed like the team that was coming to play. They seemed like the team that, you know, said, you know what, we got everything to to play for, and we're going to show you that we got everything to play for. And they did everything they could. It was it was kind of good to see Cutler actually play a game where he kind of looked like he was in tune with the game. This guy sometimes, I mean, we discussed this last show, the fact that he shows no emotion. No. And that's a killer coming from the quarterback position. He shows no emotion. But in this game, he looked a little bit fired up. So, like I said, that transcends to the rest of the team. And it did with the the Bears having a huge win in Green Bay. Yeah. And before we go on to the, to the game with the Steelers and – and the Seahawks. Let's talk a little bit about that Monday night game last night. Browns Ravens. Ravens come to Cleveland. It was like, who's going to watch this game? And I was probably one of the few who did. It's like a train wreck. You look at it, you can't look away. It was just, if you think about the worst football you can possibly imagine, this game was it. And if you watched it, you know, I watched from beginning to end, and it was just horrible. And like I said last show, Sanders, that the Browns are killing themselves by benching Johnny Manziel. Yeah, he, whatever he did, you deal with it, but he's still a member of that team. You understand? He's got to play some football. And when you're in a situation where the Browns need every bit of help they can get, they could have used it last night because the, the quarterback they had in that came in second string, he had a couple good plays, but he... But when you're when you're trying to get in field goal range and you you want to stop the clock, you don't run the ball down and slide in in fair territory. You want to get out of bounds. He could have ran an extra ten to fifteen yards and got out of bounds. Got him in you know field goal range to make this field goal a lot easier. 
but it didn't happen. A lot of stuff went down that game last night, especially field goals, Sanders. Yeah, and it ended up that they, they actually lost the game off a blocked field goal, which was crazy to see after all the things that happened in this game. And what I didn't understand, James, was the fact that to us it appeared like the guy stepped out of bounds. And I don't understand this. with the In this day and age with uh, replay and they're supposed to take the – in the last couple of minutes of the game, they're supposed to take it upstairs and decide whether it's a touchdown or not. And I can't understand the rules of the NFL. I don't even know what's a catch anymore, James. Oh, no. And I understand completely. And what the NFL is thinking about doing, what they're suggesting, is to break up these groups of, of referees that bend together and, and travel together and do games together because you get in this groove, you get, I don't know, you might call it complacency, where they're really not up to par and they're just going through the motions. I think that's a great idea, what the NFL has proposed. I think they need to go ahead and go through with it and help out because what's what I'm seeing is is ridiculousness. And we'll talk about that, you know, in, in when we about the Steelers and the Seahawks because there is there is a couple botched plays in there. But who but other than the Cleveland Browns could be set in a position First down and 10 with a minute and a half left to go at your opposing team's 46-yard line. You just have to get in field goal range with a couple timeouts. Who other than the Browns cannot get in within field goal range? It was I think it was a 52-yard field goal they attempted. The, the ball didn't even get off the ground. It was blocked and ran back for a touchdown, which I would have disputed because they didn't show any replay. They showed the actual touchdown. Good night. Have a nice night. Everybody walked off the field. Nobody from the Cleveland organization stood up and said, hey, whoa, wait a second. I thought we need to review these things. Had they reviewed it, in my eyes, he stepped out of bounds. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about it. I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with the NFL and the way they're doing things. You know what? You, you, you watch the game. You think you see a guy step out of bounds clearly. And then he's called, it's called the touchdown. You see a guy catch a pass and he rolls out of bounds and the ball drops off or falls out of his hand. It's called the catch. Then another game is called the drop. I mean, I, I'm lost right now. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the fans out there are kind of lost. And that's a great thing, which you alluded to earlier about the fact that, you know, mixing, mixing up the referees around so we can try to see if that can kind of quell some of the inconsistencies that's going on in the NFL right now with the bad play calls. Oh, absolutely. And even you can reference one more reference that's it's just sticking out of my mind, the, the Buffalo Bills game where uh, Sammy Watkins caught the ball inbounds and rolled out to stop the clock, but they kept the clock rolling, and nobody was the wiser about it. I, I'm sitting there, why? He's out of bounds. He, he went out of bounds. Why did he not stop the clock? So give Buffalo some extra time, some more plays to possibly win this ball game, and that's that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, so there's there's some other unique things, you know. Like I said, we're a show that encompasses everything. Some other unique things that came out of this game: the fact that uh, uh, Matt Schwab, you know, <laughs> he loves throwing the the pick six. I guess he loves uh, you know getting himself in the limelight, no matter which way he can do it. Yeah. And this guy, this guy has done it a lot. And you know what? I did a little research online just to see, you know, where Matt Schwab, you know, where he falls and the most, you know, interceptions back for touchdowns by a QB in the NFL. And we found some interesting facts here. You know, one of them was by uh, Chase Stewart, in which he stated that, you know, I don't know if all the data is accurate or anything, but it was interesting to look at the table that he created. And, and he's been following this for a while. But the fact is that Matt Schwab 
since 2013, he has 12, 12 interceptions run back for touchdowns. Ouch. Now, that was a, as of 2013, and I'm pretty sure he may, he might have had a couple last year, and, he, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure he had one last night. So oh the fact boy. is this guy is well up there. But if you look at this as well, there's a lot of other names out there who you couldn't probably believe that was on this list. One of them, Brett Favre, top Brett of the Favre. list. 30 pick sixes <laughs> over the span of that many years he played in the um, NFL. And it goes on the list. Dan Marino, uh, 30. Jane, Joe Namath, 25. Peyton Manning, 25. The fact is, when you look at this, it's the fact these guys have long careers and these guys throw the ball a lot. So you're going to be due for those picks. And um, actually, we do have the great Ben Roethlisberger. He's on the list. 17 interceptions back for touchdowns. And you know what? When you throw the ball a lot and you're a quality quarterback, that's what's going to happen. Eli Manning, not surprised to see him on the list with 16, which I'm yeah. pretty sure by 2013 he's got to be up there by, by 50. <laughs> but the fact is, you know what? It was just an interesting fact just to bring out on the show and to show you that, you know what, just because you throw the interception, that doesn't mean you're a horrible quarterback, but there are some bad quarterbacks out there as well. And um, in this game versus the um, the Steelers, huge loss versus the Seattle Seahawks, 39-30 to 30 going down to Seattle. The Steelers, actually, James, they look like they at one point were poised to win this game. Yeah, coming right out of the gate. What did Ben Roth- Roethlisberger do? Went right to his security blanket, Heath Miller, which which he should have been doing all year at the beginning. We have the high-powered running backs. We have Le'Veon Bell. We have D'Angelo Williams. We we have the core of wide receivers that, you know, it's a dream team. Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheat, Martavius Bryant, uh, Darius Hayward Bay. We, we, we got the core that is so hard to defend. And implementing Heath Miller in, it just, it just look how sim- simple it was to get the ball moving and to move the change. Until that was all great until he got injured in in the second half and he was gone and you could you could tell the the, the offense just went downhill. But kudos to the offensive line, Sanders. Kudos to the O line. Yeah, the O line did a great job. You know, they kept Ben up majority of the game, and, and if he did get hit, it was like, I believe it was later in the, in the second half of the game where he did, you know, get some hits there and maybe a sack or two here and there. But the fact is, they did an excellent job. And, I mean, and I go all the way down to uh, the tackles in the game, especially um, Villanueva, who, who almost supposedly could have got open for a touchdown in this game, but, you know, things happen, and he didn't. And uh, it was a short throw in this game, which kind of started the – you know, really probably was a turning point for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, now, and also, we don't want to sit here and make excuses of why we lost, and but we're just, we're just trying to gather up, you know, not evidence either, but just try to piece together what went wrong and, and why the game ended the way it did. And there were a lot of questionable calls by the referees, and there were a lot of no calls. For, for example, when, when Timmons pushed... Uh, Russell Wilson out of bounds. We got flagged roughing roughing the passer. Personal foul. How is that possible? He's he's two to three yards away from the sideline. Granted, he's heading that way, but what's to stop him from stopping and turning upfield? You know what are you what are you gonna say? Or um, when uh, when Wheaton caught that ball on the sideline? I don't know. You could you could micromanage the video and you could see did he really have control? Was it was the ball moving in his hand? Whatnot. It was a catch to me. It was a catch to a lot of people out there. And the one play where, where Roethlisberger threw the ball up and Sherman was wide open, and we're like, where is he throwing the ball? But you, you, you replay and you look back, 
You see Sherman pulling down Brown. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed one play early on in the game when um, uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball to Martavis Bryant, and the guy was in front of him on the right side of the field. The guy was in front of him, like face guarding him, which was crazy to see the ball pass behind the guy, and the guy's got his arms up in Martavis's face. No and call. No call. No call. Which I couldn't understand. I mean, it was blatant for me to sit from my, my couch and watch it. How could you miss it right there? Oh, exactly. And then add, you know, insult to injury, we have, you know, Heath Miller, like you said, going down with it with a possible broken ribs. And then we have Ben Roethlisberger right when we needed him most, second to the last possession of the game. He gets a cheap shot to the head. I mean, there's no way around it. He's, he's engaged with another guy who's tackling him, and this guy flies in. You know, head first and nails him in in the helmet. Come on. I mean, you didn't hear anything about that, but what you hear now is the the NFL's going at the Steelers for, you know, investigating that they didn't do the concussion protocol. But what about the NFL referees in in the going after the guy who hit him? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of things that be nailed out in the NFL. The NFL sometimes can be their own worst enemy with the way they create rules and then take them away. So they have to be wary of that. But there, there are a lot of things that came out of this game. One of them was just to see Wheaton. Wheaton had launched himself into another possible great target for Ben Roethlisberger to have faith in. He stepped up huge in this game. Antonio Brown, it appears to me, Big O, in this game, he was on lockdown. Yeah, it was, you know, covering Richard Sher- Richard Sherman, covering him. I mean, granted, he's not, I mean, he's great. But when you have Antonio Brown playing out there, I understand. you got to use other resources. You, you can't be like those other quarterbacks and other teams. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to show how bad uh, he is. We're going to throw his way. We're going to force the ball. And that's not what Ben did. He didn't do that. And, of course, you throw the ball to other receivers, Heath Miller, uh, Marcus Wheaton, Martavis Bryant. Wheaton, I think he had 200 yards and a touchdown there. Well, we'll get we'll get to that later in the show when we go over our stats. But – you don't have to go after the guy to prove anything. Utilize the players what you had, and that's what Roethlisberger did. And getting back to you know early in the game, I think you touched base not too long ago about um, Villanueva possibly becoming a touchdown hero early in the game. Landry Jones failed to get the ball to him, interception. And there was three turnovers from the Pittsburgh Steelers that led to 21 points for the Seattle Seahawks, and that pretty much doomed us. And if you look in the red zone, we're, we're still having issues in the red zone. The Steelers are 2-for-4 four four in the red zone. Uh, Sanders, when you look at the Seattle side of the ball, 4-for-4 four four in the red zone. Yeah, that's the fact. Is, like I said, especially when you're on the road, you can't settle for threes. you got to settle for you know touchdowns. And the Steelers, they didn't do a lot in that part of it. They, you know, We did have some parts of the games where we did get into this, this lull where we will punt here and there or whatever, go three and out. But for the most part of the game, the Steelers' offense was clicking. But the fact was uh, there were a lot of issues that came out of this game, not just with the yards, but there were a lot of questionable play calls that came out of this game where people thought, well, you know what, is uh, is the correct calls being made? A lot of people questioned Mike Tomlin, to be exact, to saying, you know what, is this guy making the correct calls? Because I know um, I thought that he did a great job in this game. And a lot of people might not like Mike Tomlin at times, but the fact is I give the guys kudos. I get I give him and I rate him almost up there with a the Belichick type in the fact that on fourth down, you don't know what this guy's gonna do. He might go for it, he might not go for it. This guy's a conventional uh type uh coach. 
and he he likes to think outside the box. And in this game, I thought he made a great move by kicking a field goal with three minutes left in the game, which was huge because a field goal with three minutes left in the game cut the lead down to two. You cut the lead down to two, so that way if your defense can somehow muster up a stop somewhere, you get the ball. You only need three points to win this game. That cuts the field to, you know, instead of 80-yard drive, you, you've got to maybe do 40 to 50 yard drive to kick a field a winning field goal and that was a smart move on his point you go for a fourth down and three at a three yard line you don't make it now you got a touchdown no matter what that you have to do you get right Sanders what a lot of people aren't looking into they're they're not looking deep enough into this had the Steelers gone for it and scored a touchdown or if they'd gone for it and they failed on a touchdown we would still have to stop them defensively and a lot of people don't see that they think if we score a touchdown game's over no it's not and the way that the Seahawks were manhandling our secondary, it doesn't matter. You want to try to make your, your choices or your chances easier. You want to work smarter, not harder. And while you're there and get the pretty much guaranteed points, you, you have to take what it is. You just can't. I mean, you can talk about moral victories. You can talk about all this other stuff and um, you know, inconsistencies in, in the, the thought process of, of Mike Tomlin. he go for it early, but he won't go for it late, stuff like that. It all depends on the situation at the time. You have seconds to decide these plays. And I believe, looking into it, that he did, they did, the Steelers did the right thing. And like I said, Sanders, that regardless if they score 3, 7, 10, whatever, they get the ball back. We still have to stop them, which we had a hard time. So, I mean, do you want to roll the dice and take a chance and not make 7? Now you're putting more pressure if we do get the ball back. Now you have to score that touchdown, unlike what you alluded to, that let's get in field goal range, kick that field goal, and win by one. Exactly. And you know what? We'll go quickly over the stats from this game. The Steelers, uh, 26 first downs in this game to 21 for the Seattle Seahawks. Total yards for the Steelers, 538 yards. Most yards against the Seattle Seahawks, a record for the most yards put up against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks against us, 436 yards. Penalties, not too bad, really. Uh, six penalties for 65 yards for the Steelers, eight for 76 for the Seahawks. The Steelers, here's the big kicker that oh, killed boy. the Steelers. Total of four turnovers. The Seahawks, zero. Time of possession for the Steelers, 32 minutes compared to 28 for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I've never seen that before. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just like, I mean, not even rounded off. That's 32-minute Steelers. 28 Seahawks. Not bad. Now, getting over to, you know, Ben had a, you know, a stellar day once again. The most yards put up against the Seahawks defense ever. This is this is the first 538 total yards for the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Seattle Seahawks. Ben, he throws for 456 yards, one TD. Grady had a couple interceptions. Uh, Landry Jones had the other two. Williams, not a not a big day running the ball, but he did have a lot of catches out of the backfield. Seven catches for 88 yards. Not bad for, for a running back. So you combine that, that's what? 100-something, 12 yards combined? That's awesome. Uh, Martavius Bryant, five catches, 69 yards. Antonio Brown, a measly 51 yards off six catches. And Heath Miller, just in the first half alone. I'm talking about a quarter and a half possibly, give or take a minute. Five catches, 40, uh, 45 yards. And on the other side of the ball, we couldn't stop Baldwin. 145 yards, six, six receptions, three touchdowns. And Curse, four catches, two of them were touchdowns for, for 47 yards. 
And and Jimmy Graham, four catches, 75 yards, who who ended up leaving the game hurt. So did it help? Possibly. It, he could have been, he was a thorn in our side the whole game. Just, you know, nickel, diamond, nickel, diamond. You get to the defensive side of the ball, we only had two sacks. Pretty much it for the for the defense. We we gave them everything. They had two sacks, no fumbles, four interceptions. Hey guys, you know what? We want to give you the heads up of what's going on with that game with the Steelers versus the uh, Seattle Seahawks. But now we're gonna go to commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna talk to our boy Jeff Reed here. Kicking it with Jeff Reed. Next up on Steeler Nation Live. SteelerNationLive.net. It's live. Join Big O Anything and everything you want to know about the black and gold. SteelerNationLive.net Uniform Express located on 1408 Buffalo Road, Rochester, New York for your police, fire, or EMS supplies. One of Rochester's top and finest suppliers of shirts, pants, shoes, boots, and accessories for your professional uniform needs. Uniform Express also does embroidery and screen print for team uniforms, jerseys, and corporations. Hours are Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can also go to their website at www.uniformexpress.com or call Brian at 585 529 4245. That's 585-529-4245. And let Brian know you heard his ad on our show, Steeler Nation Live. Hey, welcome to Steeler Nation Live. I'm James Owen. I'm Sanders Tisdale. And right now we have the best part of our show, kicking it with Jeff Reed. We have Jeff Reed on the phone from North Carolina. Jeff, what's going on, brother? I'm just working once again, man. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good. Hey, number one, how was your day with mom last week? And number two, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, number one, it's always fun. My mom's a sports uh, fan uh, of any sport. Pretty much if we go somewhere, we have fun. We're people watchers. Uh, we don't judge or anything. We never do anything like that. But <laughs> um, we, we have a good time. And, you know, it, it, and she's retired, of course. My dad works all the time, so he doesn't hardly go to anything unless it's extremely exciting. Like this weekend, we play uh, Chapel Hill plays in Charlotte against Clemson for the ACC championship. I'd like to go to that, but I am working, so that's something my dad would go to. But second, uh, uh, to answer your second question, Thanksgiving was great. It was a day off of work, so that was good enough for itself. Now, did you, did you happen to play some football that morning, or uh, how how how'd that go? We did. Uh, it was flag football. First time I ever played flag. I, I was old school. I got two hand touch kind of guy. And every time someone tried to get me, I always said they got me with one hand, uh, <laughs> so I didn't have, so I could just keep running. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, we only had one injury that I know of to the scene. Not that I'm a fantastic athlete or something, just to have a kicking balance. But you should have seen the guys. 
the three or four days after that. They acted like they all got caught right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> all right, Jeff, before we get into talking about the loss to the Seattle Seahawks, Give us your thoughts on that blocked field goal last night, the debacle, the Browns versus the Ravens. I mean, who actually watched that game besides me? I mean, I couldn't turn away. It was like a train wreck. I couldn't, I could not not watch it, if you know what I mean. And what what got me was that after it happened, only the Browns could lose like this, though. But the play wasn't even reviewed. I mean, the play I saw, the guy stepped out of bounds. I don't know. What is your thoughts on that? And what was your reaction to the game? Uh, I was working until close last day of the month in the car business. You don't really get to see many activities before 11 p.m. However, um, I did you know, follow the score online uh, just when I was in between customers. Then I got home and did get to, uh, finally watch the game. I got home by 11, about 10 after, so I, got, I saw a good part of the game. Um, before I go any further, I think the Browns are absolutely ignorant. Uh, not the, and it's not because I was a stealer. It's just because the organization really it surprises me. I mean, you have you have a very flashy quarterback that can win you games, and because he's drinking champagne and has I don't know whatever he was on, it's kind of a little you know, uh, you're just you're pension. And that brings the excitement out of the team. That brings the excitement out of the crowd, out of the stadium. Not to say the Browns are the best team in a. Well, but the man's going to start from the very first game. He would have learned. But if he would have started from the very first game, he would have definitely, uh, it would be one, it'd be at least a 500 team. But to talk about the play itself, uh, I mean, I, I didn't see, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the return by Paul, but I didn't see the kick. It didn't look, I didn't look like he kicked low, just good penetration by Baltimore and it's a good block. I mean, it happens in the game, and that's the risk you take. However, when you're on a last-second kind of play, uh, you always you always think that uh, if it does block, it's not going score a touchdown, so who cares? But that's the that's one situation where a lot of people who bet on that, when the, I think the Ravens were three-and-a-half, four-point favorites, and at that point in the game, everyone thought they were going to win their bets on Cleveland. They turned the tides real quick, all in the, about ten seconds. Now, now, Jeff, being the former Super Bowl champion field goal kicker that you are and were, is there anything that you say uh, in a huddle or do you tell any of the linemen any specific things that you, you, you request from them to do or they just go out there and do it? And was what was what was the breakdown of the play? I mean, you, you, you alluded to that they had good um, – they, they, they tacked the ball and they, they got through. Uh, is there anything you say before the kick to, to any of the players on the line? Like, hey, look out for this guy, or you need to block this guy, or anything like that? Uh, not really. I mean, my job is to um, pick the, find a way to get the ball through the upright. The last thing I'm going to do is start coaching linemen, and, and then they do their job, and I screw the kick up. Um, so, no, I mean, they know their job. And, you know, in a situation like that, you would think that they would go all out, do their absolute very best. But the game is over if you make a kick. Um, however... The other team gets paid too, so you, I can't sit here and say that it was a bad play by the by the uh, field goal protection team. I just think that it was unlucky on their part and very lucky on Baltimore's part that did their job. So, as a kicker, I didn't really talk to anyone except for uh, my holder. You know, I would say, you know, let's uh, let's get this, uh, you know, let's get this done, let's get out of here, let's get this victory, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't. I've always told myself to be a hero um, because anything less is is not acceptable. That's how I. Approach every kick, especially game winners. 
So anyway, to, to make a long story short so I don't ramble too long about it, I don't tell anybody anything. I mean, that's just, um, they know their job, so there's absolutely no reason for me to have to tell them how to do it. And and by the way, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it, it, it would be hard for a kicker to try to tell somebody to sit there and take a bull rush from huge defensive linemen. Well, Jeff, you know what? The Steelers go down to Seattle, lose a, a huge game, a game they should have, I thought they should have won, 30-39. Yeah. to 39. What are your thoughts on Tomlin not going for it on, you know, that fourth down at the three-yard line? I mean, do you think that maybe we should have, or you think that was a good move to go for the field goal? Uh, I don't think it's a bad decision to go for the field goal. They had all the opportunity in the world to win that game. Um, their defense let them down at the very end. Uh, I, a routine pass, which was actually a great catch because he didn't see the ball coming by Baldwin. Um, it, it should be a sure tackle, though, even at the first down. And I still think the Steelers could have gotten off the field and given uh, – I guess Landry Jones instead of Ben a shot uh, to win the game or at least tie it. Uh, but you know, uh, it was it was a it was over uh, overplayed by the defensive back. And like I said, I am no coach, but I'm just seeing what I saw. And that's a routine tackle, and he ended up scoring a long touchdown, and that pretty much killed him. But uh, it, it it hurt him that Ben didn't come back too because he already had nearly 500 yards passing, so he would have got down the field pretty quick. Now, Jeff, we're we're. We're coming back to home, the Heinz Field, next week against against the Colts, who are atop their division. They're six and five, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're in that that playoff hunt, just like us. What is your take, and what do the Steelers need to do to recover from this this close loss, knowing that we need every victory to, to get us in the playoffs? How do you how do you look at this game, and and what do you think the Steelers need to do to get out of their Heinz Field with a victory? Well, you know. To look back and say, what if, what if, man, we should be this, man, we should be 8-3, and three. you know, those are all excuses. There's absolutely nothing they can do about their past 11, 12 games, however many they played. All they can do is win this week, and they're right back. I mean, they're in, they're in the playoffs as of now anyway. So, I mean, they have the tough, going into the year, they have the number one toughest schedule in the league, and the Carolina Panthers, who's our home team here in Charlotte, they had the absolute worst schedule in the league. And, and it's, I mean, and they're playing great football, so they've had no challenge. So, you know, it's just they're playing. They're playing good enough football to make the playoffs, but they have to pick it up at some point. If if they let Tim Hasselback beat them, nothing against them. But I played against him in Super Bowl Four. There's no way, or whatever. What is it, Matt Hasselback? Which one is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hasselback. Matt. They're out of luck right now. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's Matt, the the one I actually played for Seattle in the Super Bowl against the, the team I was on. If you know, if they let if they let them him rip him apart, um, you know, there's no excuse for that. They're they're at home. It now is like every every week from here on out of the playoff game. Um, I actually don't even think it'll be close. I think it'll be ten to fourteen points, Steelers victory. And you know what? The fact is, uh, there were a lot of people out there on the web that was uh, challenging a lot of decisions that were made by uh, Tomlin. You know, in this game, and and like me and James talked about earlier, I love the fact that Tomlin is a progressive coach. I mean, he doesn't just stay with the customary, you know what? Okay, we punt on fourth down. No, he wants to give his chance a team the a chance for his team to win the game. And I thought he tried to do that a lot in this game. I don't know what are your takes on take on that with Tomlin. Uh, you know, Tomlin's head coach, so he can do what he wants. I mean, that's pretty much how that what that boils down to. Uh, there's always going to be people that like the coach. Um, watching TV like the coach on mon- the Monday mon- morning quarterback, uh, you're always going to see that, and and it'll never get better. I mean, I, I, I had Penguins uh, season tickets to the hockey team. And I was I was trying to coach the goalie up, and I don't even know how to skate. So, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. You're getting in the middle of the game, and you think, 
man, how do you not see him? Well, when you're when you're a quarterback and you, you don't see quite everything, or when you when you're a running back, you may miss the one hole that could have scored the touchdown. Instead, you get seven yards. I mean, that's just the way the game goes. You got to think quick. Um, but then again, you put those people to coach in the game; they they, they would never prayer. So, uh, I think Tomlin does a great job. I mean, I, there has been some coaching that I thought was questionable at times. But then again, I'm not the coach, and who knows what I would have done in certain situations. Uh, so, I mean, for him to take a field goal though, uh, right there at the end, I think that was completely normal, completely fine, and actually the smartest thing to do. Um, because but, of you know, yeah, but, everyone, everyone's always everyone's always going to say when there's a loss, there's always going to be. If he would have done this, if he'd have done that, if he'd have done this, we would have won. So that's just the way it is when you have diehard fans. Right. Like I was telling Sanders earlier, I said, all right, if he goes for it and he makes a touchdown, he doesn't make a touchdown, kick the field goal, whatnot, they still, the defense still has to get out there and try and stop Russell Wilson again. So it doesn't really matter. If you really critique it, it does matter because if you got the guaranteed points, even though no points are guaranteed, you got the field goal. Now you're only down by two. So the, there's less pressure on your offense if we get the ball back to come down. And you don't have to score a touchdown when you can get in field goal range, kick a field goal. But the, a lot of people, the naysayers, who are pointing fingers at Tomlin for, for not going for it, they, they refuse to realize that Seattle gets the ball again. We'd have to stop him no matter what. You know what I'm saying, Jeff? But, oh. Yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. Um, if they had gone for it, made it sort of touchdown, he would have been the best coach in the world. If they had gone for it, <laughs> missed. It would have been like, it would have been like, why didn't they kick there and then try to you know, play good defense? So uh, you you can't win um, unless everything goes your way the rest of the way out. Right. So uh, I'm I'm not going to critique his coaching. Um, he's the head coach, and he gets paid the money. He gets paid for a reason. Um, so that's you know, that's pretty much it. Just like all the players. They're going to make mistakes as well. Um, that's life. Uh, but they get paid the money they get paid for a reason because they're, they're that talented. So, uh, you know, that's just where it all comes from. No matter who you want to critique, who you don't want to critique, that's just life. Well, Jeff, one, one last question. You know, go, going into this next game versus the uh, Indianapolis Colts, the Steelers have some huge question marks that we don't know are going to be filled or not. Heath Miller is a probable for not playing in this game, and so is Ben Roethlisberger. What do you think the chances are for the Steelers to possibly get out of this game with backups in both of their roles? Uh, you know, I changed my opinion if, uh, if Ben's not playing. He's a huge part <laughs> of it, but um, but Matt, Matt's face, uh, he does well. Um, it's not... But if Ben's not playing, I still think the Steelers will find a way. I, I do, because I think the running game will... D'Angelo has done a hell of a job. Um, however, if Landry Jones, nothing against him, but if Landry Jones is playing, I, if the running game doesn't totally dominate, it's going to be uh, it's going to go down in the fourth quarter. So I, I don't really know how to, what the score would be if the backups all play. I have a good feeling Ben's going to play. Um, I mean, they're, all, they're always going to put that off to Friday, Friday afternoon, Saturday morning kind of thing. Uh, but as long as he passes the protocol, it's only Tuesday. He's going to play in that game. I mean, he, he knows his team is fighting for a playoff spot. Um, he should do everything under his power to you know put his uniform on. All right, you heard it here, Steel Nation Live. Jeff Reed, former Super Bowl champion of the Pittsburgh Steelers, field goal kicker that I might add. Um, Jeff, thanks for coming on and being a part of Steel Nation Live. I don't want to say being a guest because you are not a guest. You're family, Jeff. And thanks for coming on the show. We look forward to talking to you next week about beating up on the Colts. Jeff, you have a great, great rest of the night, and take care. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys, man. It's always good to talk to you. I'll talk to you next week. 
Well, Jeff, thanks once again for being here uh, in the studio at Steeler Nation Live. Sanders, what do you think that what, what Jeff had to offer us? Yeah, like I said, with Jeff, Jeff is very insightful in his things. These people don't realize, like we said, he is a kicker. For, or was a kicker for the Steelers, but the fact is... Super Bowl yeah, champion kicker. Exactly. Let's not leave that out. But you know what? He is on the sideline. He can watch the game, and you know what? Just like us, he, he's a fan of the game. He can see, and he can realize, and you hear him talk, and you can see it, and it, it comes from out of his passion for football. And I love to hear Jeff when he's on the show. Jeff, thanks for every time you yeah. come on the show. You know what? This guy is a phenomenal, not just a phenomenal player, but a phenomenal human being. Great guy. You got to love Jeff. But the fact is, James, let's go on to the injury report for the oh, Steelers. Oh, boy. The one this. thing we hate to talk about from time to time. But you know what? Let's go through it. Uh, Brandon Boykin, cornerback for the Steelers. He's an an- has an ankle, probable, for uh, the game against the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Spath, one of the guys that Jeff spoke about, tight end. He's questionable. for the. He's got a knee problem for uh, the game against the Indianapolis Colts. Excuse me. Shamarco Thomas, safety. Knee. I don't know. Has, is Shamarco going to ever he's, be a he's, part of the Steelers? I, he's, he's been out there special teams, but in a limited basis. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. We, we got to figure him out. James Harrison, linebacker, knee. But he, he played in this game, and he played well. Probable. Terrence Garvin, linebacker, knee. Probable. Ryan Shazier, another concussion. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And, and he, two they, games back-to-back? Yeah. I don't know. This guy, he... Phenomenal talent, but you got to stay healthy to, for everybody to see it. And he's questionable with this game versus the Indianapolis Colts. And the two, two huge injuries we talked about with uh, Jeffrey Heath Miller, probable, and Ben Roethlisberger, probable as well. Yeah, the concussion. We got all these, all these theories, all these thoughts, all these accusations coming out. You know, from from various camps that Roethlisberger, you know, he's. The NFL is going to investigate the Steelers for not doing the proper concussion protocol, but I think that's just a joke. You know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, a lot of things going out that people like not people, but the NFL is head hunting for the Pittsburgh Steelers, looking, you know, pointing fingers, trying to find things wrong with the Steelers. And I think, you know, you know, was he misdiagnosed? I don't know. I'm a I, I'm not a doctor. Maybe I play one on TV at night, and I did sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> but you know what, Sanders? It's just during the game, you don't know really what's going on. He complained just of you know blurry vision. His, his per, peripheral vision was kind of blurry, so they they I guess diagnosis an ocular migraine, which pretty much is a really bad headache. So because of the headache, you 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 can't see straight, whatnot. But I guess it was concussion. I don't know. He failed concussion test. So now he's rehabilitating. He says, Ben Roethlisberger, that is, says that he will be at practice by Wednesday. Don't worry. He'll be in the game. But what what struck me as is really good to know that Ben said he'll play through injuries, but when it comes to his brain or his head or whatever, that's when he's got to take a step back you know, and analyze the situation and say, is it worth it? So if he plays, guaranteed folks, which I believe he will, that he'll be fine. Got his bell rung on a cheap shot. What are you going to do? Hey, how about the NFL investigate the guy who nailed him in the head? How about that? No talk about that, Sanders. Have you heard anything about that? No, not at, not at this point. But the fact is, like we said with the Steelers, you never know. That could be coming down the line in yeah, a couple Yeah, if his days. name was James Harrison, it'd be all over, <laughs> posted all over the place. But you know what? Let's talk about the game preview against the Colts coming up. 8.30 game, you know, primetime ESPN, Sunday night, Heinz Field. Now, 
The Colts come in 6-5 and five like the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're all fighting for a playoff spot. They're in a better situation right now because they're atop their division, as, as sorry as their division is. So a 6-5 team leads the division, I guess. I don't know. But the the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers, like I said, square off at Heinz Field 8-30. The Colts look for their fourth straight victory to keep their lead at AFC South. Matt Hasselbeck, we all know him, Super Bowl 40 against the Pittsburgh Steelers when he played for the Seahawks, is completing 60, almost 65% of his passes, saying it's for a little over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns and two interceptions. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions, not bad. Hasselbeck has six touchdown passes in his last three games. Now, he's got the guy T.Y. Hilton, Dante Moncrief, are animals. Try covering them, Blake. I don't think that's going to happen, and I, I'm pretty sure that um, Mike Tomlin's got a plan for that. Both have combined uh, total yards, receiving yards, for 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, and then we throw in the tight end. Kobe Fleener has 39 receptions. We all know tight ends kill the Steelers. The Colts' ground game is averaging not too bad, 92 yards per, per contest, and we all know who leads the way, Frank Gore, with about 657 yards and four touchdowns. Now defensively, Indianapolis is allowing 23, almost 23, 24 points a game, and giving up almost 400 yards a game. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers looking for a win to stay in the playoff race. We all know every game from here on out has to be pretty much a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't have to talk about that. Now, after splitting their last eight games, Ben Roethlisberger is completing almost 67% of his passes for 2,000, almost 2,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, and unbelievable nine interceptions. Rosberg is questionable for this game because of his, con- his concussion. And Antonio Brown and Martavius Bryant, the two top receivers for the Steelers, combined for 1,700 yards and 10 touchdowns, while Marcus Wheaton has 25 receptions, stepping up big. Last game against Seahawks, 200 yards and a touchdown. Now, let's not forget, D'Angelo Williams leading the way on the ground with 563 yards and six touchdowns. Now, Defensively, the Steelers are allowing almost 21 points per game and almost 400 yards per game. So we, Lawrence Simmons leading the Steelers with 80 tackles. Sanders, 80 tackles. And Cameron Hayward has five sacks. Antoine Blake has nine passes de- de- deflected. I don't know where this that, that stat came from. He couldn't cover a dead cat. But anyways, there's there's really no... There's no, there's nothing but a win. We need a win. My prediction, Sanders, Steelers come out 37-23. Well, you know what? I, I kind of agree with that. The fact is, the only thing I have problem with is the fact that we forgot to mention D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams has to be a huge part of this. And the fact is, we say that because just like in the game against Seattle, D'Angelo caught a lot of passes out of the backfield and converted what could have been short yardage passes in the first downs you gotta love it just like what they said in the game during the game the announcer d'angelo d'angelo williams might have been the pickup of the year this guy and i and i kind of questioned it when we picked him up james knows i you know i I looked at him and i said what what are we doing and i told you and we picked up this guy and this guy has been phenomenal for the steelers Right now, the Steelers have dealt with injuries on the offensive line, and they are still gelling. They're doing everything they can to win games, and they're proving to me that they want to win games. But the fact is, we got to remedy some of our situations before we go into these huge games, which are basically right now, just as Jeff said earlier, playoff games. This is, they got a six-game playoff game coming up, or five to six-game playoff game coming up. The Steelers have to win every game. 
lose, you're out. Basically, that's what it's equating to. And I can see the Steelers actually winning this game 30-21. to 21. But you know what? The Steelers have to keep the pedal on the metal offensively. Keep doing what you're doing. If one guy gets shut down, go to the next guy. And that's one thing I did love about the Steelers. They proved um, Tomlin's theory of next man up. That's what they did in this game against Seattle. You know what? Antonio Brown was you know, basically on lockdown with Sherman. So you know what? Next guy stepped up. And it was huge to see it. It was beautiful to see it. We just have to get our, our defense secondary to be on the same page as the offense. And right now, I can see the Steelers actually, right now, being a, one of the more complete teams in the NFL if you leave out our secondary. Oh, but that's <laughs> secondary. And we, 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 we failed to mention as well, Sanders, that, you know, you, you got the bad calls from referees and whatnot. Let's not forget the multiple drop passes from Martavis Bryant. Unheard of. Uncharacteristic. You know, you get this top receiver. I don't know what the problem was. He dropped three to four great long-distance throws by Roethlisberger. Didn't help us. So hopefully he can remember how to catch the ball so we can incorporate all the receivers. And while I have this moment on the mic there, Sanders, weather for Pittsburgh this Sunday is supposed to be sunny all day, no chance of precipitation. The high Sunday is going to be 54, so game time. We're looking probably around freezing, maybe 40 degrees. So if you're going to the game in Heinz Field, dress warm, folks. We all know the, the NFL's rule with bringing in bags and stuff like that. We haven't talked about that so far. But just remember that it's going to be a great cold night crispy for football. I love that. I love that word, crispy. crispy. All right, guys, you know what? There you have it, our game previews. And um, you know what? Before I forget, the fact is that um, – the Steelers right now, they're in control of their own destiny, and they have to be in control of it. They are, they're in second place in their division behind the um, Cincinnati Bengals with the game still looming against the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Steelers have to be on top of everything, and the Steelers have a long road going to the playoffs. And right now, if you go to the road to the playoffs, the Steelers right now, they have the Colts right now leading their division at 6-5, and five, and they are tied with the Steelers record-wise. But the fact is they're in front in their division, so you know what? They're in the playoffs. 8-2, the Steelers against the Bengals. The Bengals are 8-2, excuse me. And the Steelers have to go to the Bengals and win that game. The Steelers have the 9-2 Broncos coming to Pittsburgh. Huge game. And the Steelers have to travel the rest of the way at the Ravens 4-7 and and at the 2-9 Browns. So the Steelers have a lot of games that they have to win. Even the Browns at 2-9, the Steelers can't go in there lackluster. they got to win this game. So I tell you what. One thing we know is that the Steelers are in a quest for a number seven, and we can get it this year if we stay focused. But, guys, you know what? We're going to go right to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to give you our final thoughts for the night here on Steeler Nation Live. Four of a kind consignment and resale, Jeromesville, Ohio. Everyone knows everybody. Everyone calls your friend. You don't need an invitation. Just kick off your shoes and come on in. At Four of a Kind Consignment and Resale, they have antiques, vintage items, electric items, clothing, and housewares. Four of a Kind Consignment and Resale is a four-generation family-owned establishment that also has muffler and more, spade web design and publishing, and spade enterprises, a business that loves and cares about the community. Even though they are in Ohio, Four of a Kind Consignment and Resale has a ton of steel items for sale now and even more during the season. They're closed on Mondays, but they're open Tuesday through Sundays. Call Heidi, her phone number is 
203-7858. That's Heidi at 567-203-7858. Or look for her on the web at spadeinc.com forward slash fouroak.html. They ship everywhere. Welcome back to Still Nation Live. Sanders Sisdale. And I'm James Owen. Guys, you know what? We're going to start off by giving you our final thoughts for the night. And you know what? I'm Sanders Tisdale, formerly known as Big Tiz, so I'm going to start off first. The Steelers are playing what, you know, Tomlin considered, you know, next man up. You know, the fact is that we had, you know, Antonio Brown a lockdown. We said it a lot during the show. No matter what it, what it looks like to anybody else, Sherman, yeah, he got away with some physical play. But he was there, and he covered him for the majority of the game. But the fact is everyone, everyone else stepped up into the position. I can't say everyone. Everyone offensively stepped up into the positions they were supposed to step into. The fact is Tomlin's theory of next man up is it looks like it's starting to win over at least the offensive side of the ball. If we can get that secondary in the same traction mode, what we're trying to do to go up this uphill battle to get us uh, get ourselves back into this winning ways, I believe the Steelers can do it. Right now, um, Tom is looking at shaking up the secondary, trying to get the Steelers back into their winning ways, which I think he can do it. One good thing I like to hear is that Boykin possibly can make an appearance now in the secondary, and it, and it couldn't hurt. You know what I mean? In this game, we had guys running wide open out in the secondaries, just like it was game one versus the New England Patriots with guys running in the end zone wide open. So somebody has to remedy this. Boykin, we traded for him. We used a draft pick for this guy. There has to be something that has to be said. So we have to get this guy in the game. Great move, Tomlin. And I'm all for it. Right now, I can say that next man up theory will win if everyone else believes it. And we have to get that through to our secondary. Secondary, you get it in gear. The Steelers win this game. The Steelers can take the playoffs and reach Super Bowl number seven. Just like the number that's on Ben Roethlisberger's shirt, I can see the Steelers going that way, getting the win, and getting us to ring number seven, James. Sanders, beautiful, beautiful, um, amazing. And listen to this cat, because this guy knows pretty much everything about the Pittsburgh Steelers and what we we should be coaching, Sanders. And, you know, hats off to you for, for all you do with the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and putting out the word. Now, Sanders, you always have this, this, this phrase, and I'm going to use it, Bend but not break mentality, referring to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers in a defense. But you know what, Sanders? It finally broke. The Steelers secondary has given up a ton, Sanders, a ton of yards all season, but has relied on key turnovers to overcome this fact throughout the first 10 games of the season. That was not the case on this day as Wilson made the Steelers secondary pay dearly for its lack of coverage. Like we talked earlier, Wilson had a masterful day, completing 21 or 30 passes for 345 yards and five, Sanders, five touchdown passes as Pittsburgh's secondary, in particular, Ross Cockrell, was picked apart throughout the day. Steelers' secondary finally looked like the one we were we feared that we might see against, this, against the Seahawks. Now, as we talked about earlier, the Steelers lose a game. They had a very, very good chance to win. But as Steelers coach Mike Tomlin would be quick to remind you, there are no moral victories in the NFL. And with the Chiefs and the Jets pulling ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC race, there won't be a postseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers if Pittsburgh does not find a way to win more of these close games down the stretch for the 2015-2016 season. There you have it. Well said, James. 
And that's what we talk about. The fact is our passion, our feeling, and our, our love for the Steelers, it permeates from us. And we want you guys to recognize that black and gold, once you get that fever, black and gold is with you forever. And that's how it is with us here on Steeler Nation Live from out of Rochester, New York. James, but you know what, guys? If you're ever out somewhere and you're hungry, you need something to eat, oh, where do you stop, James? Well, if you're in Rochester, New York, you head down to McGinney Sports Pub, 2246 East River Road, Henrietta, Rochester, New York. If you're looking for some Bar food, chicken wings, potato skins, chicken fingers, whatnot, you get it. You want to sit down, have a nice Italian dinner, Italian cuisine, just like our commercial says. Sit down, we have a lot of, we have calamari, we got pasta vajul, we got it all. Not to mention great people, great specials, drink and food specials, great time there. Come on down, see Sal, tell him you heard our our ad on Steel Nation Live, he might cut you a break. And if it's your birthday, I love this promotion. You go down to see Sal McGinney's if it's your birthday. If you like chicken wings here in Rochester, New York, any kind of flavor you want, they got it. It's delicious. It's great. You tell them how old you are, and for every year you're old, you get a free chicken wing. So if you're 50, do the math, folks. You get 50 wings, and so on and so on. Bring all your friends. Get the old guys, the old gals. Bring them down. Have some wings on them. Share with everybody. Come on down. McGinney's 2246 East River Road, Henrietta, Rochester, New York. Home of the Rochester Pittsburgh Steelers fan club. Guys, there you have it. Another great show in the book here on Steeler Nation Live from your boy Sanders Tisdale and James Owen. We'll see you next time on Steeler Nation Live. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.